Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here coming to you live from Washington, D.C. It is just about 10 after the hour up here and cold today, although starting to warm up here as well. The cherry blossoms are in bloom uh, just in time for the temper tantrum um, of the president. I got to tell you, we flew up last night after the show took the last flight out of DC, uh, out of Atlanta, Charlie and I did. And when we landed, my phone was lighting up when I turned it back on. I had text messages, direct messages on Twitter, emails, uh, messages on Instagram, on Facebook. It just, I mean, the whole thing had gone kablooey as news of the Michael Cohen raid settled in. Now, here's what we're going to do over the next couple of hours. I will take your phone calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We will talk about the Trump situation with Michael Cohen. We will talk about the Facebook situation. We will talk about the Syria situation. We've got a bunch of other things to talk about if we can get to them. But the two big focuses today are Facebook, which I'll get to later, and I think the more pressing matter, the Michael Cohen situation, uh, the raid on his office and hotel room, which is somewhat bizarre. Why does a man with an apartment in Trump Tower and a house, uh, why is he staying at the Lowe's Hotel in New York? I'm assuming there must be be trouble in the home life for him to be staying at a hotel. And I want to throw something out to you, and I know it sounds completely implausible for many of you who are going to hear it, but it is actually possible it is actually possible that the Southern District of New York U.S. attorney, who, by the way, has recused himself in the situation so that the deputy U.S. attorney in New York authorized the raid ultimately or oversaw it after being approved by Rod Rosenstein in the Department of Justice. Maybe they're going after Michael Cohen and not Donald Trump. The reason I say that is because one of the things that they wanted information about is a taxi medallion. A taxi medallion. Now, what is a taxi medallion? Most people don't realize this, that taxi medallions are essentially government monopolies. Uh, You get a taxi medallion from the state. It, It is an authorization for you to run a cab company. And there are a limited number available, and they are extremely expensive hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, because it gives you exclusivity. You get the right to run taxi cabs. Now, New York has a number of medallions, and in New York, all of the taxi cabs are yellow cabs. They refer to them as yellow cabs in New York. They're the yellow cabs with the black checkers on them, Um, but they're not all run by the same company. They're run by multiple different companies. There actually is the yellow cab company. There's the checkered cab company. Um, there's the New York City Cab Company. There are numerous cab companies in New York. Each of them is tied to a medallion. And the medallion holder gets to essentially allow people to come to him with cars that they paint yellow and black in the New York City colors. They put the name of the cab company on it. And that cab driver drives. It may be the cab driver's own car. But they're essentially, I mean, for lack of a better phraseology here, they're essentially uh, independent contractors, indentured servants. 
many times they don't make a lot of money. Most of their money goes to the the cab medallion holder. Michael Cohen owns a taxi medallion in New York City. Taxi medallions, you should know, is a highly corrupt business in New York. Highly corrupt. Um, and they're looking at him for that, but they're also looking at him for the, the adult film star payoffs, one of whom is Stormy Daniels, and one of whom, he, he, that one in particular, he's gone on record saying he did it himself. He kept Donald Trump out of it. He did it himself. It is possible, and I know none of you want to think so, but it is possible that Michael Cohen is being looked at. But l- let's let's trace this where it comes from. It is my understanding today that the Michael Cohen search warrant originated after a referral from the Mueller investigation. They found something about Michael Cohen, and they referred it on to the Southern District of New York. The Southern District of New York's uh, U.S. attorney recused himself from the investigation, passed it off to his deputy attorney. The deputy U.S. attorney in New York then forwarded it to the Public Integrity Division of the Department of Justice. That person is a career appointee. Or not an appointee, I'm sorry, a careerist within the Department of Justice. That person ran the traps on it to see if it met the standards. The standards are actually in law and regulation. They are written out standards. They are non-waivable standards. And they have to be able to show that these things have been met. And if these things have been met, then they can pursue it. But it didn't stop there. And that's somewhat important to note. The careerist within the Department of Justice, who may be a biased Democrat for all we know, did not stop there. That person then went to their associate or assistant attorney general. And their assistant attorney general reviewed the information. And the assistant attorney general in charge of the Office of Public Integrity used to be in charge of the criminal division that investigated politicians, Democrat and Republican, took down a number from both sides over the years. But it could have stopped there. It could have stopped there. That person could have signed off on on the search warrant, and they could have gone forward, and they forwarded it over to the FBI, and, and the FBI was on board with it. But they didn't. What they did is they then forwarded it up to the next political appointee, that being Rod Rosenstein. Rod Rosenstein reviewed it, and Rod Rosenstein decided that it was worth pursuing. He couldn't go any further. He couldn't go to Jeff Sessions because Jeff Sessions had recused himself from the Russia investigation. Since this came from the Mueller team, Sessions wasn't allowed to touch it. So Rosenstein was the last line at the Department of Justice. So Rosenstein approved it. He was a Trump appointee. The the assistant attorney general in charge of public integrity, he approved it. He was a Trump appointee. Robert or Christopher Ray, the incoming uh, FBI director, the guy he's actually there now and confirmed, he approved it. The U.S. attorney in New York recused himself and the deputy U.S. attorney in New York pursued it. All of these people agreed. All of these people said to proceed. The majority of the people who said to go after Michael Cohen are not career bureaucrats, but Republican appointees of Donald Trump, the man who says he hires the very best. Now, you should know 
that if this was about Donald Trump, there actually is a statute or a regulation on obtaining evidence. Uh, it, it, 9, uh, 13.420, it's in the, the Justice Department regulations, searches of premises of subject attorneys. For purposes of this policy, subject includes an attorney who is a suspect, subject, or target, or an attorney who is related by blood or marriage to a suspect, or who is believed to be in possession of contraband or the fruits of instrumentalities of a crime. Uh, and those regulations outline how the Justice Department has to proceed. I mean, for example, consideration should be given to obtaining information from an other sources or through the use of a subpoena unless such efforts could compromise the criminal investigation or prosecution or could result in the obstruction or destruction of evidence or would otherwise be ineffective. Authorization by U.S. Attorney or Assistant Attorney Generals is required. No application for such war warrant may be made to a court without the express approval of the U.S. Attorney or the pertinent Assistant Attorney General. In addition to obtaining approval from the U.S. Attorney or the pertinent Assistant Attorney General, and before seeking judicial authorization for the search warrant, the federal prosecutor must consult with the criminal division. Procedures should be designed to ensure that privileged materials are not improperly viewed, seized, or retained. In fact, an entire separate division of government is going to have to review any documents connected to Donald Trump to see if they are attorney-client privileged documents. And before they can even go forward, that division, if they decide that they are relevant documents, will have to go to a federal judge and have the judge agree. There are all sorts of procedures in place to protect people in attorney-client privilege matters. But I want you to consider something that's not getting a lot of airtime today, but focus on the taxi medallions. That is a monopoly held by Michael Cohen. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump. He himself has said these actions with the adult film stars were him alone, not Donald Trump. They didn't involve Donald Trump. It is possible, though no one wants to talk about it because it's not nearly as salacious, but it is possible that the Mueller investigators uncovered something about Michael Cohen himself. And the reason they're not doing it is because it has nothing to do with the president, so they referred it to the Southern District of New York. And all of this is about Cohen, but that doesn't sell papers or drive up ratings, so it's not getting played. We'll be back. Just a quick timeout for a great sponsor whose product I've been using since before we started doing sponsors for this podcast, Quip. Because I saw their ads on Instagram and thought, eh, this looks useful because every electric toothbrush I have ever had has sucked. Um, either the head was too big or it had a charger and I hate traveling with extra chargers. I got a Mac, so I got dongles for everything. I don't want a charger for a toothbrush as well. And Quip doesn't use a charger. And the battery, I've been using this one now uh, three, four months and the battery still works. And when it stops working, I just replace the battery. That's it. I can buy them at the grocery store. I like Quip. New electric toothbrush packs the right amount of vibration into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes. That is very true. And here's the cool thing. They have a subscription plan. Refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule. New brush heads every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Now, side topic here. If I sound like I'm essing, hissing, I'm wearing Invisalign braces. My I, dental issues when I was a kid had a quack dentist uh, pulled teeth he shouldn't have, and it has over time caused problems. I've noticed my teeth seeming like they were further and further back, and turns out they were. So I had to wear these braces, and the reason I'm wearing these braces is because although the S's hiss a little more, 
I can still talk on radio in a way with metal braces I couldn't. But they put these attachments on your teeth that help push your teeth around wearing these braces. And you eat meat, you eat anything, it can get up underneath the attachments and whatnot. And I tried my wife's electric toothbrush that has a bigger head just to see if, if I was right. And sure enough, my Quip toothbrush, because the head has a great vibration, but it's also smaller than some of these electric toothbrushes, I can get in and around those attachments better than with my wife's fancy, super expensive, $100 plus electric toothbrush. And I don't have to deal with a charger, which is a good thing. Um, so Quip makes it very, very easy for me to have good dental hygiene. And replacing your brush heads every three months is dentist recommended because your brush heads, they can actually get sharp. I was hearing Jonathan last on the on the Substandard podcast say he's a, a, a germaphobe and was talking about the brush heads. They get sharp, the bristles do, and they can grind off your enamel and hurt your gum. So you're supposed to replace your brush head every three months. So with Quip, you, I mean, you kill two birds with one stone, you get great dental hygiene. I highly recommend it. More than I wanted to say about a toothbrush, but I actually am that impressed and it has been that useful. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com, getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Eric. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash E-R-I-C-K. It's 27 after the hour. Eric Erickson here live from Washington, D.C. I have talked to people at the Justice Department and the White House, uh, including all the text messages I got last night upon landing in Washington. I'll share those with you when we come back. We do not have a long segment here, so be patient with me, those of you on the phone as well. And I'm told by several people that the reason Cohen is at the the Lowe's Hotel is because uh, his home is undergoing some renovations. Uh, one person speculated it may be because of the fire and Trump Tower smoke damage. That, I'm told, is not true, uh, but that there are renovations ongoing, which is why he is at the hotel and why, in fact, the um, the warrant was not in, did not involve his home uh, where things had been moved out. Um, so we'll spend a little more time on this and take your phone calls when we come back. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. The text message I got from a friend of mine down the hall from the Oval Office. (laughs) I'll tell you about that when we come back. It's 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's go to the phones. Joseph and Marietta, you are up first tonight. Welcome. Thank you, sir, for having me on your show. Um, First of all, let me state that my opinion is this. I believe Robert Mueller wants to be fired. And just hear me out for a minute. If he's fired then this is obviously going to delay the the, the, the finalization of this so-called collusion thing. It's also going to keep Trump, you know, in a, in a, in a negative look, you know, as far as saying that he did something unconstitutional, going to start a constitutional war or whatever. I don't think he has anything against Trump, and this is his last card to say, you know what, let's keep this going. I want him to fire me. I'm going to do everything I can by going after his personal attorney. It makes it close to Trump. And you can see how angry our president is today, and I would too because we've, basically when it went against the very fabric of 
you know, attorney client privilege. If we don't have that, we have nothing, gentlemen. We don't have anything. Well, it, you know, it, it's interesting you say this. So I got a text last night from a friend of mine who was uh, down the hall from the Oval Office, uh, which is, if you've ever been in, the, the West Wing of the White House is actually a pretty small place. Right. And a friend of mine was, was down the hall and said for the first time ever could hear the president yelling he was so angry. Uh, the, the, there's a lot of yelling that happens in every Oval Office, uh, but it's relatively soundproof. Uh, the president apparently was meeting with his lawyer, Ty Cobb, uh, General Kelly and, and others in the in the Oval Office yesterday was livid, livid about the raid. Um, it, the problem w- with this situation, though, is that, he, I mean, if if Mueller is doing as you say, Joseph, and, and he's trying to get himself fired, what he's really trying to do is set up a constitutional crisis and set up the impeachment of the president. And the question is, does the president play that game? Because I mean, I, I'm in Washington today, and I, I talk to a lot of congressmen and senators, and there is a real acceptance on the part of Republicans in the House that they're going to lose their majority. And all of them behind the scenes blame the president. And some of them are willing to say if they're going down, they're okay taking him down with them. That if if he fires Mueller, it's the pretext to go on and begin the impeachment proceeding. There are enough votes in the United States Senate, I believe, at this point uh, to impeach the president if he fires Mueller. There are enough Republicans in the Senate willing to go along with all of the Democrats. They only need 67. And I believe there are enough there. There, there is uh, all of these Republicans you see. This is one of the frustrating things about politics, the, the two-faced nature of it. The number of Republicans you see on Fox News every night talking about how bad the Democrats are and how much they love the president, uh, I I know a lot of them, and I talk to a lot of them on a regular basis, and they do not like the president. They think he is destroying the Republican Party. They think he will be far worse for the Republicans than Barack Obama was for the Democrats, who did a lot of damage. Uh, But they're scared to death of his voters and of his Twitter feed, so they're not willing to say it publicly. But privately, they're seething with rage that they're going to be voted out of office and they blame him for it. Not their own incompetence, not their own big spending ways. They blame him. So if the president falls for Mueller's bait and fires him, he probably gets impeached. This could be the summer of impeachment. Who knew that was coming? Back to the phones we go. Janet in Johns Creek, you're next. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I just wonder, if this is sort of a two-parter. A, why do you think Stormy Daniels popped up, you know, now as opposed to eight or nine months ago? And also, because I was talking with some friends, and somebody brought up the point, well, do you think somebody like George Soros maybe came along and offered her more money than she got from Trump? Like, I'll give you 500000 or a million if you, you know... Right. So I learned something about her deal today. Um, CNN has confirmed this, that uh, it's not that she has to pay uh, Donald Trump a million dollars if she talks about their relationship. It's that she has to pay him a million dollars every time she talks about it. And I I have no doubt there are people out there who have been um, who have told her they would cover the cost. And, and, you know, it's interesting you, you say this, Janet. What I really think the reason we're hearing about her now is because she wants attention. And that's it. Uh, her, she sold her story years ago. I mean, the, the interviews she conducted were years ago. 
Uh, and they weren't run by these media outlets at the time because they didn't seem relevant. They held them, and they were going to run them in 2016. And they should have, but they needed to corroborate information with her, updated information. And that's when Cohen put her under a, a non-disclosure agreement. So since she couldn't confirm the information, those publications, they held on to it. Why bother? He's not going to get elected anyway. Well, then he did get elected. And she wants attention. She wants to rebuild her career. She's probably blown through the $130,000. And so she is. she's trying to get attention. That's why all of this happened to begin with. Um, she's just an attention seeker. Her attorney, by the way, also is an attention seeker. Now, you should see Megyn Kelly's devastating interview with the attorney. That doesn't mean it's not true. And by and large, even the president's supporters take it to be true. And I've seen a lot of people say, well, this is about an affair that happened in 2006 or 7 or 11, whenever. The problem is that this isn't about an affair. This is about a campaign payment designed to keep her silent that was undisclosed and possibly done uh, to benefit the president by Michael Cohen without telling the president. And we have precedent for this being bad, and that's the John Edwards situation, where I think her name was Riley Hunter, I think that was her name, um, was um, was paid to keep her affair and love child with John Edwards quiet. So there, there's precedent there. John Edwards, of course, lost his law license. Uh, a couple of people, uh, I think one person went to jail for making a payment, even though John Edwards was proven not to have known about it uh, because they were covering up. Uh, and they knew it was illegal to cover up uh, a payment like this because it was campaign-related, designed to benefit his candidacy. So uh, Cohen could potentially be in trouble for doing these things, even though the president never knew. And that means that the president himself is not in trouble because he had no knowledge of it, but Cohen is. But again, all of this is coming out with Stormy Daniels because she wants attention. And we shouldn't dismiss that, even if he did it. And I think he did it. Um, and I think, well, there have been long rumors about other things coming out, and if those things did happen and Michael Cohen took care of those things as well, well, then the federal government now has those records. We'll be back. It is 53 after the hour. Eric Erickson here from Washington, D.C. Let's go back to the phones. Jim in Stockbridge, you're next. Hey, how's it going tonight? Hi, Jim. Good, I how are you? Like to know, I would like to know exactly what crime Donald Trump has committed, high, high crimes and misdemeanors. Well, I don't think he has, and which is why I don't think he can be impeached. However, um, let's be honest, we live in such a hypercharged political atmosphere that if, if Congress thinks that he's done something they don't like and they want to impeach him, they can declare it a high crime and misdemeanor. I do get the sense that most of the Senate still takes the role seriously enough that um, it wouldn't be just anything. Uh, there is, however, the precedent established through Nixon that were he to fire uh, someone who has been appointed to investigate him, that that would be obstruction of justice and an impeachable offense. When uh, President Nixon wanted the Watergate uh, prosecutor fired, that really is what led to congressional Republicans having to go to him and telling him to resign or he would be impeached. 
So basically, I can tell my kid, you can go into politics and have all the greatest ideas in the world, but you're going to be harassed and harangued by 50% of the country. And even though you may bring us out of the dark side and go forward, you're going to be personally destroyed because they're going to go after you, your wife, your parents, your grandparents, everybody. Welcome to 21st century American politics. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I don't mean to be flippant with you, Jim, but yes, uh, national American politics these days uh, is horrible. No one who's sane really wants to do it. Uh, and the people who you and I like are on a side opposite the media, and the media's hell-bent on destroying these people. Um, banana, it, there are witch, banana, witch hunts. now. The banana republic is not worth saving, my friend. I will see you on the other side. Yeah, well, there's there's part of the problem. Are we a banana Republican? Can we turn the country? I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're there yet. Um, but I think that's where we're heading unless both sides can agree to leave well enough alone. Uh, I, I would say in the interest of fairness, there were a lot of people who worked for the Clintons who went bankrupt uh, because they were prosecuted and they were and you could say, well, they were corrupt and our side's not. Um, I think the other side would disagree, but people get investigated. It's costly to go to Washington. And frankly, I don't know that we pay people enough to put up with the garbage they've got to put up with on both sides. I mean, the mere allegation of things. But nobody wants to unilaterally disarm and say, you know what, this the whole character assassination thing is, is gone on long enough. Now, all that said, let's bring this back to the Mueller investigation. The Nixon situation with Watergate established that if the president tries to fire uh, someone who is actively investigating him for potential high crimes and misdemeanors, that the president has then engaged in obstruction of justice, and that is an impeachable offense. The precedent is there. That's why the president doesn't need to fall for the trap of firing Mueller, and Alan Dershowitz is at the White House today telling him that. It is 10 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson here on WSB coming to you live today from Washington, D.C. I'm up here all week just in time for the drama, no less. But I'm moving on from the White House drama. Those of you who are on hold, you can stick around if you like. I'll get back to phone calls here in a little bit. But I do want to talk about the Facebook situation as well. Mark Zuckerberg has wrapped up his uh, days-long testimony before the Senate. Uh, they took a long break, came back later in the afternoon for more. Had an interesting exchange with Ted Cruz and others on the Hill. Uh, we'll also take your phone calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let me put a couple of parameters in play around the Facebook situation and Mark Zuckerberg's testimony. This would not have happened the billionaire's testimony before the Senate and the House tomorrow would not have happened had Hillary Clinton won. The only, well, there, there are two big reasons this is happening, and the biggest is that Hillary Clinton lost. All Cambridge Analytica and the Trump team did was what Barack Obama did in 2008 and 2012. There were multiple glowing profiles in major media outlets around the world, not just the United States, but around the world, 
with Barack Obama's technical genius as if he himself did it in 2008 and 2012 on how they targeted friends and families and undecided voters on Facebook. That's all Cambridge Analytica did. That's all Brad Parscale, the the president's uh, campaign data guru, did. Then they did better than Hillary Clinton, who did not even go to Wisconsin to campaign. Her campaign did not even engage on Facebook. The Facebook team we now know for certain, it is confirmed, reached out to the Clinton team and said, hey, we would like to help you. It's not because of partisanship, though. Don't hear that in what I'm saying. They did it to the Trump campaign. They did it to the Clinton campaign. They reached out to both sides and said, we will help you navigate Facebook. We will help you target voters. We will show you how to navigate the data. They did that to both sides. The Clinton team never returned the phone call. The Trump team did. If Hillary Clinton were president of the United States today, there would be all sorts of fawning profiles on how Hillary Clinton used the Facebook data, even though she didn't. But because Donald Trump got elected, the Democrats still cannot get over the fact that Hillary lost. They still cannot get over the fact that she ran a terrible campaign. They still cannot get over the fact Robbie Mook was a terrible campaign manager. They blamed James Comey and then said, well, it's not just Comey, it's the Russians, too. The Russians stole the election, and James Comey handed it to Trump. And now it's Facebook as well. It's Facebook's fault. It all has to do with blaming someone other than Hillary Clinton. And now it's Mark Zuckerberg's time on the hot seat to take the blame for Hillary Clinton losing. So here's the other issue. A lot of media outlets placed their hope for growth in Facebook. Conservative and liberal outlets, mainstream media outlets, they were all trying to get Facebook to redirect Facebook traffic to their main websites. And in fact, many of them decided that they would rely on Facebook instead of actually focusing on developing and building out their own talent, brand, reputation, credibility, and journalism. And Facebook was directing tons of traffic to them. And then they weren't. Because so many people were complaining about Facebook prioritizing news, how it was handling news, how it wasn't handling news, how it was pivoting on news, how it was processing news, how it was censoring news. Facebook said, to heck with this. We're going to get rid of the news feed. We're going to deprioritize it. And we're going to focus people on connecting to their friends. So now on Facebook, you will see your friends' comments. You will see less news sites. You will see less verified pages. You'll see less of all this stuff. And the traffic to media sources declined. So reporters are livid with Facebook because they blame Facebook for hurting them because they didn't invest their time and talent in their own news sites. They invested in Facebook. And when Facebook decided to return to its roots, they got livid because their business is being hurt. And they're all Democrats, and they're already looking for a blame for Hillary Clinton losing. So the two of these combined into, oh my gosh, Facebook is a corrupt entity stealing our information, selling our privacy, and corrupting American politics. That's what the story is about. So we have the spectacle today of a billionaire college dropout who started a company that made him a billionaire 
going to Congress to explain the series of tubes that is the Internet to a bunch of senior citizen octogenarians who don't know anything about the internet who are befuddled every day when they flip a light switch or have their servant servants valets next door cousin flip the light switch for them and lights come on and they're looking for the fireflies they're bedazzled amazed beclowned by the internet and so they're having this billionaire self-made billionaire show up and explain it to him. And he's done nothing wrong. Of all the people in the room who have done things wrong, he's the least to have done anything wrong. He created something and made himself a billionaire. Now, some of you are upset with Facebook because, well, Facebook's been selling your privacy to Cambridge Analytica. You would have been fine if it was to Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton, mind you. But here's the thing. Facebook's not a charity. You were not paid to use Facebook. They did not hold a gun to your head and force you to put the pictures on Facebook or log in at your favorite restaurant or review your favorite restaurant or talk about your kids or kittens or school or anything else. You overshared on Facebook yourself. They did not force you to do it. They did not compel you to do it. They did not demand that you do it. You did it on your own because you wanted to. And Facebook is not a charity. It is not a free platform. Well, it's free for you. So Facebook decided they had to monetize. So what did they do to monetize? They decided to sell advertising. How did they sell advertising? They figured out how to take your data, algorithmically process what your data was about, and pair you to an advertiser who would advertise to you. And then Facebook did something else that every other website you have ever used in the history of the Internet did. They had something called a cookie, which is put on your computer hard drive. And when you go from one website to another, it follows you around and says, hey, that's this person. And this person went from this website to that website to that website to that website. These are the things they must be interested in. Let's funnel it all back to Facebook so that these advertisers can advertise to them. Every other website does it as well. But none of them have 2 billion users. And so that makes Facebook spooky. It makes Facebook scary. It makes Facebook less understood. It's doing what all the other websites have done, and they're not in trouble. It's doing what they let Barack Obama do, and everybody was fine with it. It's only because Donald Trump won that this is a scandal. Facebook didn't overshare your information on Facebook. You did that yourself. You put your puppy pictures up there. You put your kid pictures up there. You put your pictures up there. You put your information up there. You put your movie reviews up there. You put your restaurant reviews. You're the one who logged in and said you were at this restaurant. Facebook didn't make you do it, but they learned how to monetize it so they could keep the platform going so that you could keep sharing your information. They're not the bad guy here. They let you overshare, but you're the one who did it. We'll be back. Just a quick timeout for a great sponsor whose product I've been using since before we started doing sponsors for this podcast, Quip, because I saw their ads on Instagram and thought, oh, this looks useful because every electric toothbrush I have ever had has sucked. Um, either the head was too big or it had a charger and I hate traveling with extra chargers. I got a Mac, so I got dongles for everything and I want a charger for a toothbrush as well. And Quip doesn't use a charger and the battery, I've been using this one now uh, three, four months, and the battery still works. 
And when it stops working, I just replace the battery. That's it. I can buy them at the grocery store. I like Quip. New electric toothbrush packs the right amount of vibration into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes. That is very true. And here's the cool thing. They have a subscription plan. Refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule. New brush heads every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Now, side topic here. If I sound like I'm essing, hissing, I'm wearing Invisalign braces. My I, dental issues when I was a kid had a quack dentist uh, pulled teeth he shouldn't have, and it has over time caused problems. I've noticed my teeth seeming like they were further and further back, and turns out they were. So I had to wear these braces, and the reason I'm wearing these braces is because although the S's hiss a little more, I can still talk on radio in a way with metal braces I couldn't. But they put these attachments on your teeth that help push your teeth around wearing these braces. And you eat meat, you eat anything, it can get up underneath the attachments and whatnot. And I tried my wife's electric toothbrush that has a bigger head just to see if, if I was right. And sure enough, my Quip toothbrush, because the head has a great vibration, but it's also smaller than some of these electric toothbrushes, I can get in and around those attachments better than with my wife's fancy, super expensive $100 plus electric toothbrush. And I don't have to deal with a charger, which is a good thing. Um, so Quip makes it very, very easy for me to have good dental hygiene. And replacing your brush heads every three months is dentist recommended because your brush heads, they can actually get sharp. I was hearing Jonathan last on the on the Substandard podcast say he's a, a, a germaphobe and was talking about the brush heads. They get sharp, the bristles do, and they can grind off your enamel and hurt your gum. So you're supposed to replace your brush head every three months. So with Quip, you, I mean, you kill two birds with one stone, you get great dental hygiene. I highly recommend it. More than I wanted to say about a toothbrush, but I actually am that impressed and it has been that useful. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com, getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Eric. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Y'all, we got to take a, a time out from everything here for this email that I actually just got. Listen, I, I'm just, I'm going to read you the email. Hello, Eric. I hope your week is going well. You need, in all caps, to see this hilarious rap video, rap in quotation marks, this hilarious rap video that a criminal defense lawyer made with her friends about the struggle of being big busted. She even created a solution for buxom women, the bra bridge, which reduces sagging, bouncing, side drift, and even has a slimming effect. I think your listeners would love this video and the bra bridge. Judy is a businesswoman hoping to spread the word about this one-of-a-kind invention. We'd love to have you share the video with your listeners. Judy is also available for on-air <laughs> interviews. I don't think so. Maybe um, Frankie needs to learn the audiences. Y'all would be amazed at the number of these emails I get 
all the oh here's another one as a kid karina chicano was confused by the mixed messages all around her about how to be a woman messages that told her who she could be and who she couldn't dutifully absorbing all the conflicting information the culture had to offer she grappled with sidekicks, princesses waiting to be saved, and morally infallible angels who seemed to have no opinions of their own. Karina learned that the girl is not a person, but a man's idea of what a woman should be. She's available for interviews uh, at your convenience. To arrange an interview, please contact. I don't think so. No, I'm sorry. I get these on a daily. You would think they would have like, hmm... This is who this guy is and what he talks about. I'm happy to interview Mark Zuckerberg, though, but he's still before Congress. A little more on this before we get back to Trump. Breaking news here, 38 after the hour. Eric Erickson, uh, NBC News reporting, being confirmed now by other networks that Stormy Daniels, the adult film star, who Michael Cohen paid $130,000 of his own money to. She's cooperating with federal investigators looking into not Donald Trump, but Michael Cohen. Yeah, I just, I think that this this has a lot to do with, um, with Cohen himself and not with Trump. <laughs> David Isikoff uh, works for, what, Yahoo News now? <laughs> put up a side-by-side shot of, of Chuck Grassley, the senator from Iowa, and Mark Zuckerberg. And the, the caption is, Mr. Zuckerberg, a magazine I recently opened came with a floppy disk offering me 30 free hours of something called America Online. Is that the same as Facebook? <laughs> you know, there is something absurd about this congressional testimony in the Senate today in the House tomorrow, you know, the, the Senate always upstages the House. The House scheduled its hearing for Wednesday. And is, so the Senate promptly scheduled its hearing for today or no, I'm sorry, the House is tomorrow. So the S- Senate scheduled its for today to upstage the House of Representatives. The Senate was not supposed to be in Washington in session today. They were supposed to come back tomorrow. But when the House got Zuckerberg, the Senate jumped on the chance to preempt them, and they all decided to come back today to interview him. And it is such a theatrical show. So Kamala Harris, the 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 communist from California, and Cory Booker from New Jersey, they were sitting at side tables because this is a full Senate hearing. And if you actually watch or you go, you would see senators floating in and out. There are a lot of empty chairs up there. They know when to come to ask their questions and leave. They have staff sending them notes saying, come on in now and whatnot. But Kamala Harris and Cory Booker are sitting on the sides because they're not senior members. The senior members are in an elevated position in front of Zuckerberg, uh, looking down at him. And for camera time, because they both want to run for president, the Democrats moved Booker and Harris to those forward senior positions so that they could be elevated looking down at Zuckerberg. It's all theatrics. Ted Cruz had a very interesting exchange with him, though, on um, Facebook's biases and the perceived biases of conservatives. Now, I've got a lot of friends, and, and you should know, I, I feel like a, a full disclosure here um, at this moment now, as of today, it appears that the resurgent conference we're having in August, uh, Facebook is going to be one of the sponsors. We've invited Zuckerberg to come on stage with us and talk to us about these issues. 
and they're going to be sponsoring. They sponsored the Red State Gathering as well years ago. Um, that Zuckerberg, he knows the Internet and these senators don't, but Ted Cruz is one who does. And he asked Zuckerberg about perceived biases. Zuckerberg, of course, he, he doesn't think there are biases, but he's willing to concede the fact that now that they're having individual people reviewing the ads and content as opposed to computer algorithms, that that can introduce bias and that he does recognize they live out in a liberal bubble in San Francisco. Uh, so Cruz is prodding him on, on if they're going to have a bunch of people reviewing these things to determine whether or not uh, things are biased or wrong or the fact checkers or whatnot. They, they need to make sure they have conservatives involved as well because, I mean, we've seen this with the fact checkers. You know, Real Clear Politics is now starting a fact-checking the fact-checkers website because so many of the fact-checkers, including PolitiFact. PolitiFact, by the way, can I just say is garbage. Never trust PolitiFact. And I realize they've got franchises around the country, but the people who run PolitiFact are just a bunch of liberals. PolitiFact is the organization that said it was the lie of the year or lie of the century or whatever to say that uh, Barack Obama was lying when he said, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. And then they had to go back and say, oh, wait, no, 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 sorry, our bad. It was true. They were right when they said Barack Obama was lying. We were wrong when we said they were lying. And they do this all the time. And so Real Clear Politics is starting a, a check the fact checkers website because these fact checkers, PolitiFact being the worst among them, continue to have their liberal biases shape how they review facts. And that's Cruz's point to Zuckerberg today, is that if you're going to have a bunch of people determining what's right or wrong on Facebook, you need to bring conservatives in and get their point of view, because sometimes it's not that something is right or wrong. It's not that it's true or false. It's that liberals don't like it, so they decide that it's not true. And that's as problematic as conservatives not liking something and deciding it's not true. But when there are no conservatives making those calls, that part of it's not going to happen, is there? No, it's not. That's a problem. Now, let's go back to the phones. Roger in Cartersville, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hello, Eric. Um, I want to take... Did you watch, uh, did you hear Lindsey Graham this day, I mean, Graham uh, today, uh, when he was on talking to Zuckerberg? He, he sounded like a chihuahua trying to, to, to bite a rottweiler. I mean, he, <laughs> I mean, he just, he sounded so pitiful and desperate uh, to, to try to get a sound bite. You know, maybe uh, one of the news uh, agencies will put him on there, you know, and make him sound good. But Maybe so. Know, he's been kicked around so many times. If I were him, I think I would just say pass. <laughs> you know, I, Maybe so. I, I don't. I don't want to say anything. I already look bad enough. It, these these guys remind me of the movie Three Hundred, when the king has to climb up the side of the hill and go to the top, you know, and talk to these, you know, the mystics and stuff. That's that's that whole group of. I, I hate to say that the whole group of Republicans. That's what they they seem to be at this point. It's yeah, silly and it's hilarious, really. Yeah, and they're so clearly out of their depth in a lot of the questions they're asking. Very few of them ask substantive questions. Ben Sass, by the way, made a great point. 
Um, ben Sass essentially said he didn't want to ask a bunch of questions, that he just wanted to make a point that if Congress decides to regulate Facebook instead of letting the free market do it, that they will essentially begin propping up Facebook because the regulations will be designed to focus on Facebook, but they will apply to everyone, so there's no way a competitor will be able to come out without mimicking Facebook, at which point Facebook can sue them for intellectual property violations. So he's very against the idea of regulation. Um, one more phone call. We can squeeze this in. Neil Marietta, welcome. Hi, Eric. I was just wondering, instead of Trump, President Trump firing Mueller, why couldn't he just pardon everyone? Well, you know, I'm kind of wondering why he doesn't go on and say he would pardon Michael Cohen, which a lot of times shuts down these investigations. And, and my thinking on this, Neil, don't hold me to this one, but my thinking on this is that if he were to do it, it would just reiterate the, the idea that he was participating in obstruction of justice because he can legally pardon these people. But then you have the argument that he's pardoning them to stop the investigation into himself. And that would be obstruction of justice. There is another caveat there that a lawyer friend of mine pointed out, and I used to be a lawyer, but I'm not one now. I rely on other lawyers for this stuff. And he pointed out that the president, for example, with Michael Cohen, he could pardon the guy. But that still would not get Cohen out of having to honor a subpoena. And if he was charged with contempt of court and refused to testify, a pardon wouldn't do much good in dealing with the judge's wrath on that. So eh, there is that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he could totally pardon a lot of these people, and then he, too, would be charged with obstruction of justice, uh, which you can be charged with obstruction of justice for taking a legal act designed to subvert an investigation. That's totally possible. Okay, we'll be back. Heads up, there's something happening in Syria right now. Um, civilian aircraft in the last 30 minutes were asked to alter their routes over Syria. And in fact, if you go to the Flight Radar 24 website, you can see that Syrian airspace is now cleared of all civilian aircraft. Um, there are no civilian aircraft in the air over Syria at this very moment. And now there are breaking news reports uh, as we come back on air, uh, multiple reports of uh, coalition aircraft in the air over Iraq and Jordan, um, which would mean they're probably headed towards Syria. The, the Russians have um, air defense batteries on the Mediterranean coast and in the northern part of Syria near Turkey. Um, so if they're coming in from Iraq and from Jordan, they would largely be avoiding the Russian anti-aircraft battery, so it appears that there may be a coalition attack on Syria about to happen. Uh, the civilian aircraft moving out of Syria is the biggest tell. Keep your eyes on this news tonight. Stay with WSB. We'll bring you the latest on this, the Facebook hearing, and so much more.